1: Today we welcome back Chad Dotson. We're going to get you all excited about the 2020 Cincinnati Reds here today on the Locked on Reds podcast. And here we go. What's up, Reds fans? Welcome in to the Locked On Reds podcast here on this Friday. We're going to jump right back into the interview with Wick and Doug talking some Reds baseball. Today we're talking about Joey Votto, a couple of moves that the Reds made that excite them, and also maybe looking at a weakness or two on the team this year. So without further ado, let's jump right back in. Let's shift our focus back to this season. What has been the thing that you look at and you're like, man, this is the most important thing they've done.
2: I'm going to go with Castellanos. I just I just felt that that bat in the middle of the lineup would have changed everything. And I'm really disappointed that we don't get to see it tomorrow.
0: <sighs> yeah. yeah. I think for me, um, and it's it's one that I, I don't know the definitive answer to yet, but I hope we get a chance to consider that you know see it finally play itself out uh but the reds over the last couple years last two years specifically have kind of been willing to almost punt on the old guard defensive stats you know you look at the guys they signed they signed castellanos who's pretty much been positionless his career. Uh, They signed Mike Bustakas. who's played 40 career games at second base to play second base. Um, They let Jose Iglesias go, despite the fact that he was one of the flashiest, best shortstop defenders uh, you saw last year. Um, They moved Nick Senzel to center field and had never played there before. Uh, They kept Jesse Winker. Um, I, I almost wish I could pick the brains of the people that are behind that aspect of why they were willing to do that, because with shifting, and the ball flying out of ballpark so much more and a dominant starting pitching staff, it's like, okay, am, am I, have I been overrating defense the last couple of years and uh, am I overrating it going forward? Now that they still don't have several very capable defenders, it just, it seems like a very clear trend that they said, screw it. We want offense. We're going to find it and we'll make it work out. Um, but to me, that's been the one thing because it's like, wait a minute. What? Like, wait, that, that, that doesn't wait. Okay. Um, how does that plug in here? And all of the answers kind of spit out that, okay, a defensive stats have been a little bit overrated for a while now. And B, if we can hide that by getting great offense, we're going to do that too.
2: I, I I think there might be more to it than that. I mean, one, everybody strikes out way more than they did even five years ago. Yeah. So you've got less balls in play. More and more hitters are trying to get the ball in the air. So infield defense means a little bit less. As you mentioned, you got the shift. So now it means even less um and then when guys are getting the ball in the air it's going over the fence more so now outfield defense means a little bit less i mean it 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 isn't as important as it used to be even a couple of years ago
0: and you've got that extra roster spot too so you can throw in a defensive replacement late if you've got a lead if you really think it is going to matter at that point so yeah it's uh it's a it's an interesting trend that like you know i I think three years ago me would have would have been like wait wait this doesn't add up as much but if it's also kind of one of those things where it's a, it's a specialized, uh, very, very intricate roster construction, and it seems like they're doing everything they can to squeeze out every last ability to to make each one of those 26
1: work. What is the weakest aspect of the 2020 Reds to you guys? Uh,
2: the, the lack of a second shortstop anywhere close to being ready right now. I mean, it, for everything that I believe Jose Garcia is and can be, if there's a problem, in the early part of the season, I mean, who do the Reds turn to? Like, if something were to happen to Freddie Galvis, I mean, you're going to just be like, hey, you know, Alex Blandino, Kyle Farmer, you're our everyday shortstop. Like, I don't have any sort of confidence that that's going to happen. So uh, that that that's, that's my biggest weak spot for the Reds right now, is if, if something were to happen to Freddie
0: Galvis early in the season. Yeah, I think that's a pretty pretty clear one as well um i i guess i would say beyond that and obviously we don't know exactly who's going to make the roster when we get to the roster but i would say maybe bullpen experience Mm -hmm. is the the next best one and obviously you know uh, uh, relievers year to year are fickle as can be. We saw that with Jared units and David Hernandez over the last two years that experience is great at times, but you can also fall apart completely after that. I think the arm talent and Jeff, we talked about this last week was uh, you know, the arm talent the Reds have back there and the things that they have focused on in terms of building this bullpen um, spin rate uh, velocity, that kind of stuff. Uh, they've put together a great group down there in terms of arm talent, but it doesn't have a lot of experience. Like, you know, Uh, former starters like Lucas Sims and Robert Stevenson um, uh, Amir Garrett as well, like guys that, that, you know, uh, you were very, very highly regarded pitching prospects for a very good reason. Uh, Didn't quite cut it as starters have made the move to almost full-time relievers at this point, but don't have options left and they kind of have to be there, but don't really have a whole lot of experience doing the, the work that you would hope that they're going to have a chance to do. Um, uh, I think the Reds have chosen arm talent over experience and that's a, that's a cool strategy. I, I hope it works out for him. But uh, there's not a whole lot down there that's the uh, the crusty veteran 31-year-old that you know you, what you're going to get when he comes in. Um, and that's a little bit of a roll of the dice. And obviously guys like Nate Jones, uh, if he is healthy and the season getting bumped back further and further kind of helps that that potential chance, uh, they do have some guys in all minor league contracts that might end up making a roster if and when we get around to a season. Uh, but the guys that look like they're the the forefront guys for those you know, six, seventh inning rules. A um, lot of talent, not really ripe, but experience down there. And I think that's one thing that I'll be watching uh, as uh, the season gets going and the roster kind of shakes out.
1: If Joey's decline continues, what do the Reds do?
0: <laughs> oh. Yeah, I've written about it a lot the last year. Um, his platoon splits the last two plus years, roughly, um, he's still been a very effective hitter against right-handed pitching. Uh and you know, for the bulk of his career, you looked up at against lefties, and he was not just uh uh a good lefty against lefty, he was good regardless of handedness against left handed pitchers. Um, and the way they've pitched him differently the last couple of years, he just hasn't responded to it. So uh I've almost advocated for the fact that if you can get him 550 plate appearances, like, primarily against right-handed, batting, uh, right-handed pitching, rather, that's kind of what you almost need to do at this point. And I think you still got plenty of capability to do that. Uh, you can even mix in maybe Nick Castellanos, who's played a lot of third base at first, based on days against left-handed starters. Um, part of the reason why I was so high on the idea of getting Yasmany Grandal uh, this winter is because he's uh, a very effective switch hitter who... Uh, crushes left-handed pitching as a righty and can play first base as well, can spell Joey there. Um, I almost wonder if the day-to-day grind is as much of a problem for Joey as it is um, just getting older. And I say this is a guy who's, what, 37 now. Uh, 37 is a lot different than than 34 was. Um, And maybe just kind of scaling things back a little bit is what needs to happen, because uh, he doesn't have to be the Joey of old to still be a valuable player on this team. Um, And maybe just focusing on what it is he as shown even in the quote-unquote decline years of the last two years, uh, would still be good if you just kind of emphasize doing that. Um, not to mention the fact that if you sit him against left-handed starters, suddenly in the seventh-eighth inning against a right-handed reliever, now that we've got the three-out minimum rule, um, maybe Joey Votto becomes your best asset off the bench late in games a couple times a year, too. So, uh, yeah, but I'm, I hope I don't have to – Knocking on every bit of wood I have. I hope <laughs> I don't have to worry about that. Um, but yeah, that's I think that's what I would lean towards as the first step.
2: I, I'm with you. I, I think that we all knew this day was coming at some point. Uh, maybe it's it's showing up a little bit earlier than some of us thought. Um, but you know, getting him to be the most valuable that he can be. I mean, you're right. It it might just be that he doesn't play very often against left-handed pitching. Uh, we, we've seen that, you know, as you said, he hasn't really adjusted to that as, as well the last couple of years. Um, I, I'm not sure that I'd start him out this year, just totally sitting him right away. But, you know, if, if you're, I mean, I, I don't even want to throw timetables onto the season cause I have no idea how long the season's going to come and be, but, uh, if early on, it doesn't look like he's hitting left-handed pitching, uh, as well as you would hope that, you know, maybe you do need to look into getting Castellanos, a few more at bats at first base, or I mean, maybe. Well, I guess Josh Van Meter is—he's also a lefty, and I mean, I while he killed left-handed pitching in Triple A, he did struggle a little bit with it in, in the majors. But you know, at, at least exploring another option to face left-handed pitching at first base. Um, I don't really know what other option that would be other than Castellanos at this point. But uh, you know, fortunately, the Reds have a million
0: outfielders, so they can make that work. And and yeah, uh, I was going to say that it kind of opens up the the, the outfield logjam at that point as well. Um, yeah, it's one thing that I hope I don't have to hope I don't have to work uh, too much into what it is I cover over the next couple of months. But I will just to bring it up again, uh, I think one thing that has stood out to me, well, has that's that's present tense, had stood out to me in Cactus League play was that Joey went back to squatting and, and choking up. Um, you know, he he obviously with the, the transition uh in hitting coaches with Donnie Ecker and uh, Turner Ward both exiting after just one season and seeing what Joey went through last year during the second half of the year uh with the, the swing change and reverting back to being much more upright and everything else. Um, the fact that that entire series of moves happened and he came into camp this year, uh the Joey Vada we we got used to seeing, and not the one that tweaked his swing, but Season last year kind of made me think that maybe the Reds and Joey both uh, realized they might have been overthinking things a little bit too heavy last year. And, you know, obviously, even if Joey just gets back to, to 2018, Joey, that's amazing. You, you mm-hmm. put a 420, uh, 421 on base percentage in the number two spot in the lineup every day, uh, lefty or righty, whatever. Um, that's fine. That's totally, totally fine. And uh, I hope that that's all they're asking him to do. And that's the other aspect of this as, as well is that you know, he's been asked to carry the offense so much for the last couple of seasons mm-hmm. that bringing in Castellanos and Shogo and, and Mike Moustakas as well. Um, they They took a lot of the pressure off of him having to perform. And I hope that's something that also kind of permeates into his performance this year as well.
1: Here in just a moment, we're going to continue our Joey Votto talk and talk about a couple of other things. But before we do, I got a question for you. Are you looking to get healthy? Are you looking to lose some weight? Look, willpower is key, but so also is having the right stuff withings is the company that came up with the first ever smart scale and they are still the best company to turn to when you're looking for a smart scale they have the body plus body composition scale that when you step on it gets your weight your weight trend your full body composition and even sends a weather report to your phone via wi-fi or bluetooth best way to keep in shape is to keep up on the numbers, and when it comes to your scale, you can't look very much further than the Withings Body Plus Body Composition Scale, and today, if you go to withings.com slash MLB, you'll get 25% off the Withings Body Plus Scale. That's W-I-T-H-I-N-G-S dot com slash MLB for 25% off today, that's the Body Plus Body Composition Scale at W-I-T-H-I-N-G-S dot com slash MLB. How much do we think that that's a worry that the decline continues?
0: Yeah, that's, um, I, I guess I will add this, is that we saw Joey look confused and make that swing change during the second half of the season last year. Um, even in his most recent awesome seasons, he struggled a little bit out of the gate and it took until mid year before things really started to click. And his second half numbers, um, both in 2016, 2017 were just off the charts. Good. We're talking 500 on base percentage. Good. We're talking pushing 700 sluggy percentage. Good. Um, the dude is a creature of habit and, maybe he just didn't give himself enough time last year with more new voices than his ear than he was used to. I I don't know, but I I think it's one of those scenarios that's going to be weird to watch if and when we do actually get things going this year, because it's obviously on a different timeline uh, than even the most routine Joey Votto year would be. Um, But I think he's just a guy that just, he just needs every last rep he can get and to give him enough reps to where th- things look normal again i I think you got to give him the benefit of the doubt in that regard. And last year, it almost looked like it it wasn't given, and obviously, I have no idea, no inside information on how much of that was was him being willing to yield to other people's opinions for the first time or not. Um, but he looked confused and looked like he did yield. and the way that he opened up the season this year coming back as Look, I'm Joey Votto. I've done what I've done. This is my, how I make or break myself. Uh, I think you give him the benefit of the doubt for that again and just see where it goes because obviously he has proven time and time again to be uh, the most cerebral hitter I have ever seen and, and a guy that also sometimes takes a little bit of time before it clicks and he figures it out. But what he does is as dominant and unoutable as you could possibly make in the modern <laughs> game of baseball. Right.
2: I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be negative Nancy on this one, and I I don't want to be, but I, I'd be lying if I said it, I didn't think about it way too much this off season. <laughs> uh, one of the things with older players, and this has been true forever, is that the bat speed slows down a little bit, and so older players tend to have to cheat a little bit more. Now, one of the things that made Joey Votto so good, beyond just the strike zone discipline, uh, is mm-hmm. It, he had the ability to foul pitches off when they were in the zone, but weren't hittable.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: We didn't see that, that last year. He did that significantly less than he had in the previous years. And as a result, we saw his strikeout rate go up a little bit, and his walk rate, which was still very, very good for a major leaguer, but for Joey Votto, it was pretty bad. Like that, that was one of the big things that really dropped off the charts for him last year. Was his on-base percentage was like, what, 357, I believe? I mean, for Joey Votto, that's terrible, right? I mean, we're used to a guy who's going out there, at, you know, a 420 clip for the last decade. So it was very un Votto-like. Um, and we've, we've seen this happen with, you know, pretty much everybody for the entire history of baseball. As they get older, that bad speed slows down. And I just can't help but wonder if we're not going to see that happen sooner these days for not just Joey Votto, but for everybody because pitchers are throwing so much harder these days than yeah. they ever have before. Mm-hmm. And that the, just where if your bat slowed down just a little bit, you know, two decades ago, well, guys were throwing 91. It didn't really show up as immediate and quickly as it does now when everybody's throwing 96. Yeah, uh, And that, that's where I'm coming from as a, should we be concerned? And when my brain goes to the yes side of things, that, that's where I'm thinking about it. Now, as we said, you know, Joey Votto's a different kind of dude. Like he he he's always figured it out when he's been struggling in the past, and I, I think that we all can pretty much agree whether we like some of the adjustments that he's made or not over the years. You know, he's very smart in figuring out how to make things work. Um, I I don't think that he's just going to fall off of the map completely because he does get the strike zone better than just about anybody, and you can get pretty far with that, but. I I really am concerned that we're not going to see any sort of power come back, and that you know maybe that three three forty to three sixty on base percentage area is kind of where we're going to maybe want to adjust our expectations.
1: Mm-hmm. Man, that's I I did not think about the bat speed thing, and you're you're absolutely right. You saw a lot. A lot more awkward swings that completely missed on whether it be a slider or especially a cutter. It seemed like the cutter really was his bugaboo last year, and just overall, it's like our all of our mutual friends Chad likes to say, "Father Time is undefeated." Uh, that, guy, that guy's a jerk. Father time. <laughs> not, not
2: not Chad. Father that time. that, that, that Father says time, too. Yeah.
0: Pushing a 360 on base percentage and a two-win player is not – that's not the end of the world. It's just one of those circumstances where you got to fit that in as opposed to build around it at that point. And if the Reds are willing to do that, and if Joey's willing to do that, there's a marriage that can be made – with those two things happening. Um, It's never a fun initial conversation to have. And obviously one that Joey is hoping he can kick further down the road. Um, But a control of the strike zone and the ability to still do decently enough against right-handed pitching a lot, that's still a productive big leader. And that's something I don't anticipate going away this year or for the next two, three seasons. Um, But, yeah, kicking it back to 2017, Joey Votto – uh yeah I would I would bet against that and I feel terrible saying that but yeah that's uh that's where we are at this point.
1: Well, and like you said too, you know, a two-win player, as long as the Reds understand that and they're prepared for that, which it sure seems like they are with all of the additions that they've made, then that's going to be okay if he can just slot in there right around 360 with the on base and be your number 2 guy and just get on base a bunch and then you're not really worried about the rest of the numbers then you know that that might be all right it's just a bummer cuz we're talking about a dude who used to be hercules on the diamond or superman or whatever have you there uh just annoying that they didn't put this team around him you know 3 years ago let's uh let's finish up on uh, something fun. And I know I've kept you guys a long time, so I appreciate you talking with me. Uh, Absolutely, man. What is your favorite personal opening day memory? Because mine, I mean, I, I, I'll i start a couple of years ago. I got to go with, uh, at the time she was my fiance, now she's my wife. And we set up the absolute highest seat that you could sit. But we had a great time at the block party, getting to see the parade and everything like that. And it was, uh, now I know I just disparaged this a little bit ago, but it was the Scott Feldman opening day. Uh, <laughs> but, but we had a blast. And it actually, I think it kind of rained a little bit, but we were up under that canopy that we were so high. And it was just one of those just special moments where everything kind of clicked. The game itself wasn't all that great, but just one of those things that I look back on and I can picture, like I can close my eyes and think about it, and I can picture exactly how that day went.
0: Oh, man. Uh, I'm trying to think. I, I think oh, I want to say 2000 was it? 2002 was the last opening day at, at that point. Synergy Field mm-hmm. um, when Great American was was under construction. Uh, I think uh, what was it? Centerfield was kind of knocked down in the old riverfront at that point and kind of modified stadium. Um that 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 one jumped into my head for some reason. I know I haven't been to a lot of opening days in recent years. Obviously, I've been living out here since uh, late what so right after Christmas 2011. Um, which God, that sounds like a terribly long time now <laughs> that I think about it. Um, but that one jumps out to me as well. Uh, but but Joe Randa's home run in 2005 was uh, I remember it vividly because I had people over at my house, windows open, awesome weather in Lexington uh watching that with with um a giant pile of friends and watching that not just home run but also George Grant's call of it um is one of the ones that I think jumps out at me uh more so than anyone else uh that that just was such a a fun time and a promising year at that point too um despite how things eventually kind of wrapped themselves up uh but that I think that yeah, 2005 was uh uh was was the one that really jumps off the page at me
2: I'm going to go with 2010 for me. And it really has nothing at all to do with the game. Um, At the last moment, my dad called me and said that he had just gotten tickets from his boss who no longer could go to the game. And he's like, they're pretty good tickets. Like, do, do you have time to go? I'm like, yes, let's go. And so we, you know, he, he rushed home from work and hopped in the car and we went down and, uh, well, right before the game, we uh, we got to meet Johnny Bench, which Ooh, was wow. awesome. Uh, but here's where it gets even better. We had, like, club seats. Like, we weren't actually, like, in the suite <laughs> itself, but we were, like, in the section right below that, mm-hmm. um, right behind home plate. And we had better seats than Johnny Bench did, who was one section <laughs> he was one section over and about four rows behind us. <laughs> uh, I don't. I honest to God, I don't remember what happened in the game if the Reds won or lost. It was just one of those just experiences that I, I don't know. I it, it was just a good experience to remember with my dad. And I I don't know. I, I it, it's just I, I remember everything about the game, but nothing about the game. Like everything around the game, I remember. I remember nothing at all about the actual game.
0: And some of those are the best. Those are the best games to remember as well. Right. Just uh, the experience of being there. And I think you know that's that's the biggest aspect about this that that kind of gets underplayed is that you know missing out on live sports right now is obviously frustrating because the results aren't there, but the the game experiences aren't there either. And that's uh, such a huge part about what we all do. That's what we go enjoy ourselves with. You know, you go, you can have a beer, have a pretzel, sit in the sun, enjoy just watching other people experience the game of baseball, the way that we know it, the way that we love it as well. And uh, yeah, that's you know, some of my favorite memories of going to baseball games the last couple of years, especially if not been because I cared who won or lost. And obviously going to Rockies games out here, if the Reds are playing, I have a little bit less invested there. Uh, but the ballpark experience is such a huge aspect in all of this, that, you know, knowing that that's not going on, you're not hearing the organ, you're not getting the, the barbecue smoke wafting in from Love field over the bleachers, all that stuff is just, it's aspects of it that um, it's, it's frustrating that we're not going to get it started tomorrow. And um, yeah, you know, I think it's one thing that, you know we know it's going to be back at some point how soon is the only question and uh uh i hope i hope that we all get a chance to make a lot more of those type memories sooner than later and if the reds can add some wins into the back end of that also uh obviously that'll make things a little bit more spicy but uh i think the year itself is something that uh we just miss and we need uh we need to have back at some point soon man
1: absolutely could not agree more i mean uh baseball please come back soon please <laughs> Anyway, that's going to do it for us here on this episode of the Locked on Reds podcast. Wick, Doug, thank you guys so much for talking with me. Um, Let everybody know how they can get a hold of you. They probably already know. Just let them know, though.
0: Yeah, you can find us at redreporter.com. On Facebook, you can find us at Red Reporter Fans. Um, We can't guarantee we will actually interact with our Facebook commenters (laughs) uh, because that's a whole – Whole different aspect to it. You can find us on reporter or on uh, Twitter at Red Reporter as well. Uh, the Red Reporter podcast is going to get rebooted. We have kind of gone through a couple different platform changes um, over the last couple weeks. Um, but we will be back in action. Ideally, next week, um, the whole timing of changing platforms and how we do things, uh, timed with uh, the fact that baseball ceased to exist for the time being, has kind of put that a little bit further back on schedule than we would hope. But it will be back soon. Um, so, yeah, you can find us there on SoundCloud and all all the other uh, locations. So, yeah, uh, tune in and uh, hear us uh, do our best to cover baseball in a baseball world right now um, <laughs> while always trying to keep one eye on, on the 2020 season and beyond as well.
2: All right. Uh, I'm going to be at RedsMinorLeagues.com, uh, redlegnation.com BaseballAmerica.com, uh, Twitter, uh, usually DougDirt24, but you can also find me just uh, responding to Wix tweets about pizza. So You can can (laughs) always always find me there. As often as
1: possible. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, thank you guys so much, and uh, we'll talk to you guys again soon.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
1: Same. That'll do it for us this week on the Lockdown Reds podcast. Make sure you check us out next Monday. I'll be back. We'll be talking about some Reds. I'll have a past box score for you and a past player. We're going to do a lot of history on Monday. And next week, there's a couple of guests I've got lined up. Lucas Sims will be on the show with me. I believe it'll be next Tuesday, but planning on next Tuesday anyway. And then also James Rapine will be joining the show as well. So make sure you look forward to that. Best way to not miss any of those upcoming episodes, subscribe on whatever podcasting platform you're currently listening to. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs and also follow the show at On Reds. We tweet out all the episodes and all that good stuff as well. And if you ever want to get in contact with us, 513-549-0159 is... Locked On Reds line. But that's going to do it for us here on the Locked On Reds podcast. My name is Jeff Carr. I'll talk to you guys on Monday.
2: Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music.